Bike Talk, Bike Talk, KPFK live stream, and we have in the studio today, Mr. Sickla Valley, aka Bike Angelus, aka Zachary Wainu, aka former communications director for the LACBC. Well, coordinator, but oh, was yeah. there a director above you? Oh uh, yeah, Dana. Communications, okay. Yeah, okay. Dana's awesome. Is she still there? No, she is working with Rally right now. Uh, it does a lot of communications for other nonprofits. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, just talk right into that mic there, my friend. Okay. Me? And Nick, and uh, things are really calm, even though we were just blowing ourselves up on on the live stream. So, so uh, yeah. So we got Zach in here today. You're gonna stay with us for a while, right? We're gonna. Yes, Cicla uh, Valley Jr., she's super excited to be here. She's sitting outside. She's seven. She's got a load full of sushi, and she's having fun here. Yeah. So we'll see how this plays out. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll talk to her. Yeah, she yeah, probably have, knows more. She, we have a super young, I guess, it's, does she ride bikes? Uh, she rides my, my, my WeeHoo. Um, we will be on the WeeHoo uh, Sunday at Cicla Villa. But yeah, that's my What's goal. What's a WeeHoo? It's a uh, it's a tag along, but it's like a recumbent tag along. Oh. So, um, and she can pedal, and she loves it. It's easy. Uh, it's a good go between to get her on an actual bike. But that's the goal. The next month is to get her biking because she's seven. She's yeah. a week old. A week. A week. She turned seven a week ago. Hey, no, six, we we six. went to her school, and you're only a couple blocks away from her school. You you feel good about her riding to school? I guess you'd take you'd go with her. Yeah. She's so young. Yeah. I mean, by the time she puts the helmet on and everything, we're there. So we're almost too close to pull out the bike and everything. Yeah. But um but that's actually a pet project of mine because uh where she goes to school there's three uh LUSD schools within uh three quarters of a mile on Colfax. And there's a bike lane there, but the bike lane is a little bit too wide and mm. sometimes cars use it. Is an extra lane. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is just one car to scare a parent. And, you know, I'd be scared too. So um, it would be great to get protected bike lanes there because it would not even affect parking on the street because it's just the dimensions of the road. You could get one in and, uh, you know, be a much better way for kids to access the schools. Yeah, you could probably take that lane all the way down to Ventura. Yeah, I mean, my goal is Burbank to Ventura. Burbank so. to Ventura, good, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you spending a lot of your time doing? Like, you you have your blog. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've the blog is still going. Um, and that's a Cicla Valley blog, right? Cicla Valley blog. Okay. Um, some people know that I've kind of like ventured a little bit more into video, and um, it, Cicla Valley might morph into something called Bike Angeles. Um, probably next year in about three months. Um, But it'll be kind of similar, but at the same time, just be a lot more uh, video and social media oriented. Um, Cool. You know, I just feel like we need to do a better job communicating because we do a good job communicating with ourselves and within our community, but we're not really um, reaching people just outside of our circle. Mm. And you can see at Ciclavia involves tens of thousands of people, but we haven't taken the next step of trying to draw them in. And so 
uh, social media is definitely like one of the is the leading way of getting people involved. So for people out there that that aren't familiar with Ciclovia, Ciclovia is an event that the city of Los Angeles uh, started up about ten years ago that uh, they closed down. Usually about what five to ten miles of LA streets, and they make it car free and and uh, get everybody out on bikes, walking, roller skates, and it, it's it's a fun event, right? It's from nine till four p.m. and it's coming up on this Sunday. Except actually. this one ends at three, and I just found uh-huh. out I ran into Clark yesterday in uh, San Fernando. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that Ciclavia ends at 3 in okay. December because uh, of Daylight Savings. Daylight Savings, okay. So, so that one's going to be in the Valley. That's on Sherman Way. Um, speaking of the Valley. Is this the first in the Valley in a while? Yes. I mean, we had one, I want to say, two years ago. And um, in Pacoima down to Van Nuys and... Uh, that was a redux because the the same one they had in the same route got rained on. So oh. it was great that they brought it back. Well, hopefully it doesn't rain this Sunday. Uh, well, yeah. apparently the forecast is not looking good, but... Um, what happens then? They still do it. Yeah, why not? You can yeah. ride in the rain. Okay. I mean, the permits are we're, there. We're, the, everything's we should paid be for. so lucky. We live in Los Angeles. The weather here is perfect all the time, almost all the time. We should ride in the rain for all our comrades out in the world that ride in the snow and awful conditions out there. You know, we, once we have it so, so yeah, good here. No yeah. cars would get happen. So, yeah. s- I mean, speaking of the Valley, you know, we got a couple issues going down in the Valley, um, that are, that's, you know, seem ominous. We've got John Lee who just won his, uh, special election, the city council member. He's, he's, uh, we should have some villainous music. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. He's already like, He's already starting to pick away at at uh, bike infrastructure in the valley, and uh, you know from what I'm seeing, he's he's introducing or he's going to introduce a motion to question the Reseda Great Streets project, which is a project that didn't take away any lanes from Reseda. It just put in some protected bike lanes in the sort of uh, area near CSUN where there's a lot of businesses and and uh, street street life and uh he is introducing a motion to have the LADOT study that um do we know much about that zach have you been following yeah i mean the interesting part is uh when they did the this was like the first great streets project that went in in 2015 Mm -hmm. and when they did the study they did eliminate some parking, but the study also said that a lot of these businesses have tons of parking behind. Tons of and parking. And it's not, not an issue for people trying to find parking. So that's covered. Um, you know, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but, like, seeing how the last election went down yeah. uh, between him and Lorraine Lundquist and how... Um, Which was very close. Yes, but, you know, there was a hot-button topic that was dropped in a couple of weeks before with the BRT that mobilized mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And I don't know if this is kind of something that he's bringing up as well, because, uh, you know, if you do a study, uh, you know, the Rowena bike lane study that Rue did 
uh, earlier in this year cost $50,000. Sure. So whatever the real point is on this, I'm not too sure. And I am. Yeah, because it seems like it seems kind of like useless for his political purposes, because I mean, I don't know that a lot of the BRT opposition cared or cares about Reseda bike lanes, because like I said, it hasn't taken out any car lanes and it almost seems like he's sort of you know poking a a hornet's nest because like me personally i feel like i need to get involved and and get out there and start campaigning against this you know i want to know when is this motion coming in i want to go down to city hall and talk about it because it's in my neighborhood and uh it makes me a little concerned for some of the other uh like the some of the road diets out there that that uh, went in years ago under Englander, his predecessor, and now he's sort of poking at this. I don't know. It's it's a little weird. Yeah, what's up with that? I mean, that's why, uh, going back to conspiracy theory, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. It what that doesn't seem to serve his purpose. Like, I- in my mind, he would keep the BRT thing going, you know, the the BRT opposition going and... Now he's trying to rile up more uh, constituents for him, I guess. Well, you know, the one thing about this election that's coming up is that it's going to be it's it's uh, coincides with the Democratic primary. And since this guy's a Republican and he barely eked out his win during a non it, it was it was a special election. It wasn't a, a regular right. election. So the reason that Lorraine's running again is because this Democratic primary is going to get a lot of turnout. And she'll be on that card as a Democrat, and he's a Republican. So I think he feels maybe threatened, and he's trying to rile more people up. But I don't know if that's the greatest. I mean... Well, I, the thing is, I, I know that the last we left the Northridge BRT was it was going to go back for a study. And I don't know when that's going to be revisited, but, uh, you know, for uh, city council elections, uh, for the March uh, ballot, if you get 50 percent or more, then you don't have to move on to uh, November uh, election. Mm -hmm. And right now, I know a third person has now jumped into the race. Oh, no, you're kidding. And he's actually a traffic planner. Um, Wait, that's jumped into the Lundquist and Lee. Yes. Oh my God. He's on the. I think he's on the Porter Valley, uh, Port, Porter, Porter Ranch. Ca- yeah, Porter Ranch Neighborhood Council. Really. So, you know, the interesting part is, uh, uh, he, you know, I I, I read uh, some stuff and he sounds like he's uh, definitely because that's his job. Um, oh my God. But um, okay. but you know it could. You know, it can work both ways. One, this could have, without him, Lorraine might have been able to more easily get the 50% on her own. Uh, This could split the vote and turn it into a November when the BRT comes back. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of things at play. That's interesting. Okay. So. I thought it was just going to be Lee and Lundquist. Mm, yeah, this and was this guy, this guy definitely is on the ballot. He's going to he's got the signature. Yeah, I saw it on Elias the okay. other day where they're listing people. So, OK, that 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 mm-hmm. makes it interesting. All right. We'll have to go back and look at the details on that. Yeah. But is this guy a Democrat? Yes. OK, that's not good. I mean, yeah, it's not good for 
Uh, would this be a good time to talk about the Lorraine fundraiser? Sure. Uh, we're going to have a Lorraine fundraiser <laughs> next week, uh, December 12th, uh, from, f- I think it's 5.30 to 7 p.m. And yeah. everybody's invited. Well, you're supposed to... Uh, you dropped some big bucks, huh? Not really. Big bucks? Not really. I'm, I'm, I'm a co-host. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And you're a good supporter. It's downtown? Uh, or where is it? Yeah, where is this event? It's at downtown, yeah. Okay. Oh, but we'll give you all the information if you email us at uh, bike talk at kpfk.org. That's the email address? I thought it was li- live bike talk at Gmail. Well, it's forwarded to that. Oh, yeah. wow. Bike talk at kpfk. We're really big time here. That's wow. It's, it's like the looking glass here. here. Now, uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the Magnolia bike lane or the widening of the street on Magnolia, which you uh, have been working on, Zach, and that almost seemed... Uh, like it went away, but I guess it's still going. It's still there. Yeah, uh, this about a year ago was when they had the draft study out, and they didn't initially contact the local neighborhood council, but they found out about it, and they came, they made a presentation. Um, the Their draft study, uh, somebody said it looks like they copied it off of another draft study because mm-hmm. it references a bridge. There's no bridge on the street. No, this wow. is a widening that's happening between... Uh, Vineland and Coenga. And, uh, you know, it's right near the city border. And they had widened the southern part of the street, uh, I think, like, eight, nine years ago. And they've slowly in... Vineland and Coenga. Yeah, there's... On Magnolia. A, there's a lot of businesses there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of businesses. It's... Uh, you know, some theaters uh, and some really big sidewalks, but like right in the middle of it, the whole thing is a, uh, a senior center yeah. uh, living facility. And, um, you know, this it's you know, there's nothing on the mobility plan in terms of like bike lanes. But, you know, my concern is it sets a really bad precedent for Vision Zero in terms of um, what it will do for safety, because, you know, how, how a lot of the projects uh, happen in Los Angeles is you apply for a grant a long time in, you know in advance and then it takes a few years to get that money flowing until you get it in very rarely do you see things like like this like automatically go in um, so this is something that they've slowly like applied for um, you know this money and actually Metro is covering 70 percent of this of the, uh, of the construction so and you know, Metro is covering the money. I Why think it's a Metro they? grant. Okay, I think so. We're talking about right now. It's one lane in each direction on Magnolia between it, Vineland and Coenga. It's two lanes now. It used to be one lane. It's two lanes and one uh, going east, east, uh-huh. eastbound. This would make a uh, wait. Is that right? It, I, one one lane is it's it's two and one. Yeah. But this would make it two and two. Okay. And um, you know, it just. Uh, the studies that they had, it didn't really address the concerns because there was nothing about, they brought up vehicular safety, nothing about, you know, vulnerable population, people on bikes, people walking. Right. Um, there, was no the cro- there was no crosswalks included, um, nothing to slow traffic down. Um, in fact, like they were using the old uh, level of service to um, determine what this would do. And it said at the bookend intersections that, Build versus no build, um, traffic congestion would be about the sa- would be the same. They had the same grade. Hmm. In the middle, 
where you know people are trying to cross and get across and there's no crossings it got improved i think from an e to a c so you know right in front of the senior center you're going to have cars getting across and you know, you see this all around los angeles is that uh you know people who have a tough time because we have so little crossings yeah. that um I see it in my neighborhood because, uh, you know, if you've got arthritis, you have to get across an 80-foot street. Do you walk a quarter mile to a light, press the big button, and then walk another quarter mile back? And, you know, that's too hard for people. And when you make a street wider and faster, um, it really makes it dangerous. And, you know... DOT said, oh, well, there's a possibility of putting bike lanes in later. I'm like, well, there's a possibility of putting bike lanes in everywhere. If you're going to do it, then do it. But, you know, there's, you know, the, we were supposed to have bike lanes on Lancashire and that never materialized. So, you know, I'm from Missouri when it comes to (laughs) these promises on bike lanes. I don't know. The show me states. Show me. (laughs) I need to get out there more. (laughs) <laughs> tell me i'm not cultured uh i did say that live on the air didn't I? <laughs> um okay so those issues magnolia I, like widening roads i thought we'd come to the conclusion as a city that widening roads is not good it just induces more traffic you know, Magnolia is going to become more of a flush through for cars rather than what it is, which is like a business corridor where people want to get across the street. There's a lot of apartments, there's markets, there's bars. Is that like one of those? What's the neighborhood like there? Is it like a cool area kind of? Yeah, it's like when you start at Lancashire, old. there's a lot of cool little shops right there. The red line is right there. Then you go a little bit east towards Burbank and, um, you know, there's there's some industrial there, but there's a lot of. Uh, like uh, 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 what do you call it live in work space areas there along the bike path that's a little bit north of Magnolia it does it just doesn't make sense to widen and spend money on this and I want to know if this is measure what where this money is coming from because they'll try to they'll try to figure out a way to pull it from the the uh, the bike and pedestrian money I'm sure somehow you just can't trust these people but it's just the fact that Metro is paying for it. Just uh, why would Metro pay for this? There's a lot of questions about this that need to be answered in my mind. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that, right? When's the next, what's uh, the next, you know, thing? Well, apparently, like, originally construction was supposed to start in May of next year. Oh, so year. this is a done deal. This can't uh, be opposed anymore. No, it, I, I, they still haven't presented. I, I think that there's still some some movement in this whole thing because, you know, they – uh, a lot of people wrote in, um, and then uh, I, I still haven't done a piece yet because I'm probably waiting for n- the new year. But they emailed everybody back, or you could even read the document. Uh, did they did they do an EIR, or is this going to well, be now a they may have negative to, declaration? They may have to do that now, and uh, you know they responded to everybody's uh, concerns concerns, and really like the responses were were. Uh, Lame. You said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we get to not be nice to these people again, once again, somehow. We used to not be nice. We got a lot of concessions. Now we're, like, just too nice to these people. Who, who are these people? Metro. Well, 
Well, I mean, and so LADOT. it was actually, so it's the Bureau of Engineering. Mm-hmm. Oh. Since it's designed it their, the whole thing. It was their idea? Uh, I don't know exactly the genesis of it. Yeah. I don't want to claim, but they're obviously behind it. They've designed it. And what's really interesting is when I talk to the people from uh, from engineering, I don't feel like they, they're very genuine in terms of, um, um, you know, they're concerns about it but they just somehow they don't have an idea that uh they think that wider lanes flowing traffic is safer they genuinely believe well, yeah it. this is never, the traffic engineers yeah you know. and you know and i can understand like years of textbooks have justified why you need to widen roads and we've seen it in caltrans and everything else um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I just feel like it just has never touched their purview. And now all of a sudden these projects are starting to cross in and, uh, people like it, us are starting to talk up. Yeah. I thought it was the opposite though. I thought that we know that widening roads increases speed. They, they know it. Caltrans admitted it. We all know it, but they still do it. That's the thing. It's just talk. You know, the, the politicians just talk. And then they, like, I just was reading an article today by Alyssa Walker. We're spending $26 billion in the freeways to widen them. And it just blows my mind because there's so much media around that widening of the 405. We put an extra lane on the 405. And there's a ton of media around the fact that traffic got worse. It's called induced demand. Doesn't help to widen anything we're 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 blowing we're burning money in fact we're spending money and then we're on the hook for the maintenance of the extra lanes so it just doesn't make any sense um and i thought we knew this i thought everybody we 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 know it but the city doesn't care i guess or the general population still hasn't caught on i mean there's some press around that the 405 is worse than it was since they spent the whatever it was, ten billion dollars widening that lane, um, but for some reason they just are continuing to sneak this stuff through. And you know how do you? St- and then on top of it all, we're talking about making a a, a killer subway connection between Panorama Van Nuys and Westwood that costs something like two or three billion dollars. Uh, and and every is it ten billion dollars? Probably, yeah. I don't think it's that much. I Between think it was Westwood? more like four billion uh, to Westwood. Either but somebody's, way, somebody's but, but behind it's like us. Ten, the, the ten billion dollars compared to twenty-six billion dollars, making traffic worse. And this is Measure M money, right? Mm-hmm. Measure M and Measure R. They're going to blow it all on these freeways. We're going to have to deal with the maintenance of this after those lanes are built. And people are crying about putting in a subway that would be really useful. From Panorama City to Van Nuys to Westwood. These are population centers that's connecting up the valley. It isn't speaking of conspiracy theories though, doesn't the Bureau of Engineers just follow instructions? They don't nothing starts with No, them. no, no. They're they're punks. Like in the Hyperion Bridge lawsuit, which you know, I was part of or I sued the city of Los Angeles over that. We went up against the Bureau of Engineering. They're complete liars and punks. You know, screw those guys. Okay, but Seriously. Aside from their like characters, did the people that are in there working in the agency yeah. are punks. No, but okay. And liars. Fine. Yeah, but who whose idea, like, d- nobody sit th- sits there saying, hey, you know what, we need to widen Magnolia. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, do they? I think that part is of that it is, is like you have a history of uh, 
I mean, engineers have to design stuff, so they have to look for things to do. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're not going to have a job, and that's why it's hard to turn down when you've got all this money in front that you're not, uh, you know, to, yeah. to get rid of this project. So I think that's kind of like what it may come down to. you got to spend the money, and these people have been in there for decades, and they they were educated that, you know, in the 70s or the 60s, you know, cars are number one. We need This is the science. We need to widen everything and have as much car flow as possible, and they're okay. still going. They're still in there. All right, let's, let's, you know? let's go get them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now on to a little more happier things that Zach's working on. Um, I was excited to see your gravel bike group. And for the purpose of defining gravel bike for Nick, who hasn't been out on a gravel bike yet, let's uh, let's talk about that. What is a gravel bike? Tell us uh, about your group and what a gravel bike is. Because <laughs> well, apparently uh, everybody knows but me. Everybody <laughs> but Nick. <laughs> well, it, 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 the last couple of years it's really taken off by storm but you know it's basically kind of you know a, a road bike that can handle fatter tires and go off road and uh it's kind of like a cross bike uh no if you had troy templin from road bike action on he would tell you there's big differences even though they look they're the same but um but you know the top tube is taller than a cross bike and uh, but uh, I still have the the ten speed horn handlebars um, with horn. the streamers. <laughs> um, we'll get, did he? Is that like an insult? No, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Not really. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think the thing is like they're, they're super versatile bikes that can you know handle dirt roads, climbing. Uh, a lot of people say they're kind of like what mountain bikes were twenty years ago at the beginning, that they you know, are rigid, although that is changing too. Um, but, you know, I think like the growth and the whole thing is, you know, partly, you know, for me, I just wanted to explore new areas. Um, but, you know, I'm finding other people are getting into it because they're scared of riding on the road. <laughs> um, but like, it's become a, you know, right now, I mean, the talk of probably going to any bike shop or the gravel bikes are the big thing because right now, you know, that's where all the innovation is happening. I feel like it could be a touring bike, too. It can. There's a lot, a lot of dreams going on there. Yeah, I mean, they keep mm-hmm. adding stuff onto it, and you can turn it into a touring bike. I mean, it just it's, it has so many good uses to it. So you got this gravel bike group, and it's, it's on Facebook. I've joined. Oh, yes, you have. We're going we're gonna to start learning. This is the thing. Like, I've been seeing – usually I find out about it afterwards because I'm just not tuned into the calendar somewhere, wherever the calendar is for bike stuff. And uh, I saw a Grinduro was a gravel bike event that looked really fun. Um, and you're telling me you guys are going to have a calendar going on inside the group so we can find out about these things? Yeah. I mean, right now, like, you know, I – I started the the group off for fun and then, you know, in June, just to find more rides and people in June, one of my friends wanted me to lead a ride up Pacifico mountain, which is like one of my favorite loops to do. Um, so I was like, okay. And then on the group, I just invited people and then people I didn't know showed up and, uh, 
you know, I held another ride and that. And then the last few months, the Facebook group has grown. And then I started an Instagram. And you're doing and like a monthly ride, right? Monthly ride last Sunday of the month. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I th- should be launching gravelbikecalifornia.com soon to just be a resource. Did you for already buy that, that dot .com? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and the, the, the website is, is halfway there. Cool. So hopefully maybe even by next week. Um, but, you know, right. it's, it's it's a fun little side thing. Okay. Well, we'll be watching that and uh, and checking that out. I'm interested in it for sure because I want to ride more. Um, and there's trails up where I live now, too, that are very interesting. So I'm looking at getting a gravel bike just because I want to tour, do some dirt, and use it really as, as like a uh, – like a touring bike. I think we should disclose that this show is sponsored by gravel bikes. <laughs> if anybody out there knows of a gravel bike that's in size 67 centimeters, like hook hook it up, y'all. Oh, I went to Bill Walton's house once. That was he, his bike, I've seen his bike. It looks dorky. He has a bunch of... It, it is. It, it's not truly made for a tall person. It's like he's got the extensions. I want one that's truly made. I'm going to get a custom bike made. Because I don't want to look like, I, I want it to look like a normal bike. I don't want to have extensions on there. I saw his bike. He's got like a zillion uh, spacers on his. Uh, Who are we talking about? Bill, Bill, Bill Walton. Walton. Oh. oh. He's a basketball, basketball. player. We can go over that. We'll go over that for you, Nick. Uh, okay. So we are now going You've both to. both seen his bike? <laughs> I, where do we see it? Is it at uh, Interbike? W- well, I saw. I went to his house for Calbike one year. Oh, jeez! And it was it was funny because you get that guy talking. I mean, you could leave the studio for forty minutes and come back. He I just gets on him talk. I hear him talk on NBA oh, back in the day. And no, it was just too much. It just, I couldn't stand him. He makes. So me we're laugh. not going to have him on. <laughs> yeah, we'll have him on. Cool. Um, we're going to now transition over to uh, our next guest. Mm-hmm. And Zach, you're going to stay with us, right? Sure. Yeah. And Ellie. Ellie's around here somewhere. Yeah, she's she could jump in. Um, our next guest is John Schubert. And he's uh, he's what we call a vehicular cyclist and a cyclist nonetheless. I, I think they don't actually like to be called vehicular cyclists. They're just cyclists. I think you have to change the term, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a style of riding. And, uh, you know, I'm a vehicular cyclist. Zach, you are. We all are here in the city of L.A., because we pretty much have to be for safety. And that's that's what John Schubert has been working on for a long time. And he's an expert. Um, he's been an editor, senior editor of Bicycling Magazine, editor-in-chief of Bicycle Guide for 20, 23 years. He was a technical editor of Adventure Cyclist. He's now, in, he's now editor of Savvy Cyclist Blog, which is um, it's like a school of cycling, Savvy Cycling. And he's president of the Lay Valley Coalition for appropriate transportation. I like that name. Would that be Lehigh? Is it Lehigh? I don't know. Oh, my God. I said it wrong. Lehigh. It's out in Pennsylvania. So uh, we're going to give him a call right now. Hopefully he's ready for our call because this is just live. So um, It's been really smooth up till now. It's been really smooth. but. Hello. Please state your name after the tone and Google Voice will try to connect you. <laughs> Bike talk. So we're going to call him. There he is. I love the production value. And we, we're <laughs> the, the anticipation. We're pro, but we're also punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully this works. Please, baby, work. This is Google. Google is big money. 
Google, we're using multi-billion dollar technology here. Is that... Oh my God, oh, what's going on? For the landline? <laughs> oh, here he is. Oh, is that you, John? How's he doing everything? Hi. Hi, John. I guess we got a phone call too. That's weird. Um, John, are you there? I am. All right. Hey, John. Nice to Hi, John. You're, on, you? you're on the air with myself, Don Ward, with uh, uh-huh. Nick Richard, and Zachary Rynew. And we are in L.A., and you are in Pennsylvania. We're happy okay. to have you on. All right. Um, yourself, you being? My name is Don Ward. Oh, oh, you're Don. Hi. Yes. Hi. How's it going? We've communicated a lot on uh, Facebook in their oh, I know. various I, I groups. Thank you for bringing him in here. Yeah. Don, no Nick, and Zach, right? Yes. Nick? Yeah. Do you go by Zach or Zachary? I introduced myself as Zachary to see how long it takes for people to call me Zach. <laughs> so you're welcome either way. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> okay. I'm lazy, so it might slide to Zach. Okay. So um, we originally, we had this showdown that we were going to have between a vehicular cyclist and an infrastructuralist. And that kind of imploded because it just got really nasty oh, between fast. the two. Yeah. I had oh. nothing to do with it. You would be surprised. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> This is a very passionate uh, little area of cycling where it's there's kind of two camps going on where we've got people that want infrastructure, you know, bicycle infrastructure, and we've got people that say we don't need it. We just need to learn how to ride bikes correctly. And uh, you come down more on the side of, you know, learning how to ride a bike correctly in traffic. Am I characterizing that well? I'll give you a C plus. Um, <laughs> are, are we on the air? Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's plenty of infrastructure I want, but I'm very picky about quality control. And um, with all the decades I've spent studying how bicyclists get hurt, um, bicyclists get hurt when somebody's moving. Either they're moving or somebody else moves and hits them. So you want your infrastructure to promote safe movements. And just cutting to the chase, because you're going to ask me about this, <laughs> most bike lanes promote unsafe movements. And I agree so, with that. And so you have an unsafe movement. Well, you use a paintbrush. And then you say, okay, we've put a paintbrush here. And that'll make that unsafe movement safe. But then you get more crashes. So then what do you do? You change the color of the paint. And then what happens? You get more crashes. And so back up here, the bicyclist has the right to use the lane. Why would you want to consign him to the most dangerous part of the road. Now let's let's clarify a little bit here because when we talk about bike lanes, we're talking about bike lanes implemented in the United States. The bike lanes that they implement here, I agree, are usually substandard, usually put you in the door zone, usually have a gutter halfway in them, and uh, are just usually dangerous because they're kind of an afterthought. And also we have a huge car culture here in the United States. We, you know, 
this is what we do. We drive cars for the most part. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about like perfect infrastructure. There, there is infrastructure in the world. Like you said, you, you, there is infrastructure that you do support. It just rarely exists in the United States, right? Well, I wouldn't put it that way either. Um, first of all, I know Los Angeles has some, um, some nice trails alongside your rivers. Uh, where I live in Pennsylvania, um, you know, the, the core of our bicycle infrastructure is rail trails and canal towpaths. Um, regarding what you can do for bicyclists on a public road, um, first of all, you can make sure the pavement's in good condition. Um, second of all, you can use shared lane markings where appropriate to direct bicyclists to ride where they are conspicuous. Oh, I'll, I'll back up and say, how do most people get hurt on a bike? Well, about two-thirds of bicyclists going to the hospital do not involve a collision with a moving motor vehicle. You fall, you hit a fixed object, you collide with another bicyclist, or you collide with a pedestrian. That's two-thirds of the hospital trips. And interestingly, between 10 and 30% of the fatalities. Um, 10 and 30%? That yeah, that's, that doesn't sound that's like a, a rough. Lot. E- that's a rough estimate, okay? okay. Um, but it's, it's, it's bigger than you might guess um, because, I mean, it's not harmless to trip and fall at 10 miles an hour. You know, a pedestrian right. is jogging. If he trips and falls, can have a, sure. a pretty, bad, pretty bad injury. So we want to stop all trips, all falls, all collisions. Um, and we don't excuse any of them because, oh, it didn't involve a collision with a motor vehicle. Um, so if you want to make, I go back to, I want to make conditions good for a bicyclist. Okay. And that may involve changes. It may involve changing the bicyclist himself, teaching him or her more skills, more ability, more the, the ability to understand traffic. So some kind of like um, a licensing type of situation where cyclists oh, need to undergo I, education to get certified I, to ride or. I'm never going to use the word licensing. Okay. Um, you know, that involves things that state governments would butcher terribly. It's a bad um, dog. <laughs> well, I mean, there, the thing is, is that bikes are such a easily accessible, uh, device that, you know, even Ellie can get a seven year old Ellie can get a bicycle and everybody can get a bicycle. So, you know, then it becomes a question of if, you know, education. So to get people educated, you know, that's a massive undertaking. I mean, right now, if you look at the the mode share of like say Los Angeles, which I think is something like two percent, um, to you know, eighty percent or however many people are driving cars have gone through education and licensing and culturalizing with with car commercials and high power vehicles and so forth and celebration of car culture that to you know, to get on a device like a bicycle and to get in traffic with people that don't, 
expect bicycles or don't want bicycles in the road, uh, that's quite an undertaking. That's, you know, I mean, anybody can do it, but rare, you know, not everybody has access to the education, not even close. Oh, absolutely correct. Well, there's no money for it. There should be, but there isn't. Right. I mean, we're um, talking about uh, what the advertising budget for car culture is something like $14 billion in North America. Mm-hmm. Well, e- even this is Zachary. Um, even, even for me, like when I'm on the road, you know, I bike a certain way when I'm on a certain bike. If my daughter's on the tag along, I ride a different way. I take different routes. Um, my wife, uh, who um uh would take would bike to the station take the train and then bike the last mile you know she is not as comfortable of a cyclist and you know i don't expect her to ride the same way as me because she just doesn't have that confidence and i just can't get her to do it and actually there was an incident about a year ago where she was coming out of the rosa park station and there's like a little empty back road that very few people take so she felt comfortable riding. It, actually, you would be proud as a vehicular cyclist where she was. But she got buzzed by somebody. And then when she walked into work, sure enough, this person was also a patient at this hospital and was giving my wife the lip. Whoa. Like, no, you don't talk to me like that. And my wife had her camera on, and my wife wasn't doing anything. Wait, so your wife is is – uh, was going to a doctor's appointment? Is no, she she's she she's a doctor at the hospital. Okay, okay. And the the wow. driver was her patient, not her patient, but a patient in the hospital. <laughs> and That's so funny, um, you know, and like for her to like overcome that trauma and to get her to want to go back out there again. Like after that, she would ride on the side sidewalks because yeah. it's only a mile, and she didn't see any change. But like how like, and I think that this is kind of like where I would have loved to hear the two guys together if they didn't kill each other. Um, Like, how do we get people to be vehicular cyclists or to support, you know, protected things? Because I think the problem is, is we're so far away from being able to get people ingrained in that. Yeah. The thing, I mean, personally, I was riding vehicular when I got plowed into at 45 miles an hour. Uh, My friend Paul Livingston on Santa Monica Boulevard was riding vehicular. I was riding at night, lights, bright lights, uh, signaling, doing all the things. Uh, you know, I had taken bicycle skills 101, whatever. I, and, you know, I got plowed into. And Paul got plowed into. And three or four people every single day that are either riding bikes or are pedestrians here in Los Angeles are hit-and-run victims, let alone... Uh, people that get hit by cars, you know, where the car driver stops. This is, it seems like insurmountable. John? Yeah, hi, I'm there. Um, well, that's a lot to, that's a lot to respond to. I'd like to back, back up to um, what Zach said about his wife, because uh, there are several things. Um, first of all, good luck teaching your spouse to do anything. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes it's better if you, um, about that that teaching um second of all and that's the human factors thing just that is not bicycle specific of course now she was riding um, vehicular right yes that, yeah okay so she yeah, was but, riding properly um, 
This is not but, somebody but, that was edge riding or riding the wrong way. She was yeah. riding properly. She had been okay. educated by Zach, right? Um, to a degree or no? Let's get back okay, to the ahead. caller. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, second of all, Zach, um, if somebody buzzes you, would you rather have four feet of pavement to your right or four inches of pavement to your right? Well, I mean, like... And and third, okay, that's a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, because I, I think I'm going to assume the answer is I'll take the four feet. Why but does it, now, why does it other, matter? Here's the other thing, and this is something we really don't want to keep a secret. Um, if you edge ride, you invite close passes because an overtaking motorist sees you and, and thinks, hey, I got enough space. You know, and they plan to give you six inches and you just hope they don't. Uh, underestimate by seven and that's a lousy way to ride okay but and, john she was riding and she was riding vehicular we're talking understood. about a situation where she understood. was riding vehicular i'm understood well i'm i'm, I'm getting to that yeah. what we found is now you move out from the you move you move out from the edge you move out about a foot and things don't get better because people are still trying to pass you without staying in the, um, without diverting their path. You move out to the middle of the lane, now things start to get better because from hundreds of feet back, they see, oh my goodness, what a first world problem. I'm going to have to change lanes to pass a bicyclist. Now, one thing, one little nuance to this is the behavior you get tends to be different on a four-lane road than on a two-lane road. I live out in the sticks. I ride on two-lane roads. I get pretty good behavior riding in the right tire track. Riding on a four-lane road, I am more likely to need to be in the left tire track to get the lane change path that I want. Um, And nothing is 100%. Uh, agree with that, but that gets back to suppose someone does buzz you. If you have four to four to six feet to your side, you're better off than if you're already up against the edge. Why? Again, why? Again? Why? Yeah. Because you got you got room. You can swerve. You 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 can make a uh, emergency sideways move, and you, you would, got room. That to move that assumes that you can even see the car coming and have time to react. I mean, in my situation i was on a four-lane road taking the left tire track and Mm. a car i saw it coming and i attempted to get out of the way and dive to it it was right next to echo park i was trying to dive for the grass and once you make a judgment and realize that this car coming at you at 45 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour or whatever it was uh, is not going to move out of the way or you know is going to hit you directly or you figure out which way that car, you know, is committed. You just don't have the time. Like you're, that sounds idealistic to say that somebody that has four feet to the side can swerve and get out of the way of a close pass. If you even judge that it's going to be a close pass. Yeah. I will say, Don, you know, I've followed your stories as we've been corresponding over the years and, um, you uh, you got you have not gotten the lucky stories, um, and I I respect that I respect your experience. 
Um, and I don't, I don't have some all encompassing answer to that. Um, but, um, now, Zach also Zach also mentioned something that I was actually doing some research on today, which is sidewalk riding. And one of our one of our bromides is that um, sidewalk riding is dangerous. And there's nothing. It's not because there's some magic danger about the sidewalk. It's all has to do with turning movements, or maybe bumping into pedestrians. But Let's say we're talking about bike-car collisions. The problem is turning movements because a bicyclist and a motorist may be on a collision course and either not see each other or not, or halfway see but not perceive, oh, we're about to collide. Um, that's, that's the main danger of sidewalk riding. That said, there's some really interesting data out of Orlando, Florida. Um, and Orlando has, you know, a lot of big suburban areas. It doesn't have a big old downtown. It has a delightful small old downtown, which the tourists typically don't get to see. Um, but it, it's it's a neat it's a neat community. I've been there a bunch of times. But anyway, um, here's the data: sidewalk riders are slower than bike lane riders, and bike lane riders are slower than travel lane riders. And the speed correlates pretty closely with the likelihood of a collision because the required stopping distance correlates very closely with um, the likelihood of a collision in, in Orlando. It's some really interesting data. Their average sidewalk rider is going nine miles an hour, which is, uh, you know. Sounds too fast. Um, you know, to some it's fast, to some it's slow. The, uh, the, the travel lane riders going average travel lane riders going 14, the average bike lane riders going 12. So, um, there are pretty dramatic differences in stopping distances among those three speeds because your stopping distance varies with the square of, of your forward speed. Um, but so the bike lane ride, excuse me, the, the sidewalk rider, if you're just poodling along at a slow speed and you see a conflict coming, you see a turning car, you're more likely to be able to stop in time. And one scenario, um, you can draw diagrams like, you know, like football plays with X's and O's and arrows going everywhere. Um, one I'd like to suggest is for purposes of illustration, it's fairly easy to describe. You're going north uh, on the si on the sidewalk on the right side of the road. There's a motorist also going north. He's about to turn right into a driveway in front of you. It's likely that he is likely that that motorist is not going to notice you because you're off to the side. Sure, and we can. We could get in a big sidetrack of human perception, but that off to the side summarizes it well enough, I think, for right now. And so a sidewalk rider who rides slowly um, and is aware of that, that these turning motors may come from various directions and be, be ready for them to not see you 
that sidewalk rider is probably going to be really safe. And notice what I've done, though. I've said the things to be aware of. I haven't just said, oh, the sidewalk is a safe harbor. No, I said the sidewalk is a place where a slow rider who knows to look for turning movements can be quite safe. And by the way, when when I visit my daughter, who lives in Portland, Oregon, and I borrow her bike to go buy beer, I use the sidewalk. Cause, uh, Rather than lives- the bike lanes? Or um, are we talking about a route where there are bike lanes and you've decided to ride the sidewalk? Or gravel bike absolutely, lanes? Absolutely. Poor, um, she lives near a major traffic sewer. It's for about 45 miles an hour with skinny little doors on bike lanes. Mm. And um, now, being now, in that you, bike, you, you and I agree that that is, you're saying there's parked cars and it's a 45 mile an hour street with a bike lane. Right. I, right. You and I agree that's horrible. It is horrible, and the sidewalk is, uh, you know, it's only like three-quarters of a mile to get the beer, so, you know, it's fine. Well, what I usually Um, do is I ride outside of the door zone on the left line of the bike lane, because I ride fast. Do you get uh, hassled by the cops for doing that? Mm, The cops in this town, that's like asking a doctor to clip toenails. You know, they, they, (laughs) they literally don't care, in my mind. I mean, I've never had problems. Uh, I've some, I've yeah. run lights at high speed in front of cops, and they, I don't know. You know, I got lucky, I guess, but you, they've, well, they've I, been harassing you? Is uh, that? I've, maybe in Burbank. I've oh, Bur- forget people. about Burbank. Yeah, Burbank's okay. crazy. Okay. <laughs> There's little cities in Los Angeles area that they are, you know. The cops yeah. have less to do. Yeah. yeah. But Los Angeles cops generally don't give a crap or even see you. Well, you know, w- one interesting example over here was, uh, and it was controversial a couple of years ago, we had a uh, bike lane on uh, Main Street in Venice, call, or in Mar Vista on Venice, that went from uh, a bike lane with uh, three, three lanes. lanes to a pre- two lanes with a protected bike lane. And I won't get to the whole national story angle, but, you know, after a year they came back with a study and it said that it made people safer, um, the protected bike lanes. Um, I know at the same time, like I've heard complaints about it from some cyclists, but to me it's kind of like cyclists that want to, dr- to ride faster. And you know, riding at 20 miles an hour in urban areas different than trying to expect what a lot of people do, which is maybe like in a 12 mile an hour range. So like is, is part of the problem is like, we're just, we really need to focus on infrastructure that slows cars down, whether there's bike lanes or just people in, in, if you want to ride vehicularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, the infrastructure thing, you know, you live in the wrong town to preach that with any credibility. Uh, Los Angeles pioneered the high-speed traffic sewer. Um, And, I mean, here I am, you know, giving you a hard time. But, I mean, it's really sad what we've done all over the country um, to make what should be pleasant little residential areas these things with, you know, high-speed roads going through them. And, um, you know, 
I became a free-range kid when Dwight Eisenhower was president. Rode my bike two and a half miles from our house on the edge of town to the downtown, bought a small toy, and brought it home. And um, and that was on a two-lane road, uh, speed limit 25 or 30, I don't know. And um, the driving was mellow, the road was mellow, etc. And where do you live now? Um, unfortunately, my part of the country is copying you guys, and we got all these broccoli subdivisions full of little roads that go nowhere and there's one road in and out of the subdivision and empties out onto a 80 lane traffic sewer right and one thing i observed a lot um because for several decades i was visiting florida very frequently florida and you know florida has grown a lot in the last 30 or 40 years um and florida florida had a law when you build these new traffic sewers, you got to put bike lanes on them. And you virtually never saw a bicyclist in those bike lanes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Don, as you were saying, that's not the way to do it well. Um, well no, these, and, like, I, I've ridden in Florida and Miami and Tampa, and uh, it feels freaky. Now, you know, when you and I and the other people in the pragmatic cyclist group, the vehicular cyclists argue, you know, I agree that our bike facilities suck. I've also ridden a whole lot in the Netherlands where I feel like the bike facilities are fantastic and their safety record is great in my you know, what I've seen now Mm -hmm. in, in let, you know, we may never come to an agreement here in the United States about how bike infrastructure should be built. But the one thing that I've always kind of pounded away at is like, can't we just agree that cars (laughs) somehow, okay, somehow we should use our political power to slow the cars down because I mean, in California, we've got a we've got a vehicular cyclist group called Cabo. It's California Association of Bicycle Organizations, and they're vehicular cyclists, and they've been going since the '70s. And they're in Caltrans. They have a lot of political power, in my view, because they're kind of useful idiots in the sense that, like Caltrans, which is a car-centric uh, organization. Department of Transportation here can go to them and say, hey, uh, look, here's a group of cyclists that think that bike facilities are not needed. And okay, but Cabo doesn't push back and say, well, if you're not going to provide bike facilities, then the speed limit and the design speed of this road should continue to be, as you say, John, what it was back in the day, 25 to 30 miles an hour. And then if, if the, if the true speed design speed of the road was 25 to 30 miles an hour, I would feel pretty comfortable riding on that. And it, 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 you know, that's not a deadly speed. So how do we, is there a way that we can come together and put our political power into, if you don't want bike facilities, let's tame the cars kind of thing. Like to me, 
with these 45 mile an hour, 50 mile an hour, the design speed of these roads in the Valley in Los Angeles, you can get to 60 miles an hour and not feel like you're really speeding. I do it all the time when I'm driving. I, you know, I would get up to 45, 50 miles an hour and it feels normal, but you can't take the lane in that kind of traffic and not be gambling, you know? And, you know, there's another reason for that. Um, it's, you, you, you talk about the design of the roads, but cars have changed enormously. Sure. sure. Um, and, um, in addition to everything else I studied, I've been reading car magazines for 50 years. And, um, today's little dinky Econa box, you know, a Kia Rio sure. or today or today's soccer mom minivan yeah. is faster than the muscle cars, the Camaros right. and the Firebirds of a couple decades ago, zero to 60. And there's an article you can find, just Google, uh, a minivan faster than muscle cars, some phrase like that. Yeah. It's published on the website Thrillist. It'll pop right up. And it has like 10 different, 10 different muscle cars from the 70s and 80s that are slower than a minivan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hilarious because it's, uh, but, but it also raises the point. Um, cars have gotten too easy to drive fast. I agree. I know what a few decades ago, you know, if you had a friend, a rich kid who had a BMW somehow, and you went for a ride in a, in his BMW, you'd say, wow, he got thing up to 80 miles an hour. And I didn't feel a thing because then you get in your own car and it got above 60 and it was vibrating like a paint shaker. Well, Sounds guess like what? Today, your own car is as smooth as that BMW was. Um, and, um, and, and the acceleration is better, and the car makers design the car so that what they call throttle tip-in is very abrupt because that sells cars yeah, you, you, at, you, during, you, during the test drive. You barely rest your foot on the pedal and you're already going 20 miles an hour. Exactly, exactly, which is too fast for a parking lot. Yeah, and I, people drive too fast in parking lots too. It's it's really yeah yeah. And if you had to push the pedal two inches instead of half an inch to get to twenty miles an hour, everybody would go slower in parking lots. Yeah, and everybody would go slower on residential streets. You could have the same horsepower, you could have the same acceleration as you would measure it at the test track, and but everybody's driving would become more mellow. Yeah, yeah, and, and but Neither you know, in the big streets, you'd still get, you know, forty-five miles an hour. What do you do then? You're, I mean, the thing that I find that's frustrating is that, you know, at least here in California, you got guys like uh, Dan Gutierrez or some of these other people that I've gotten into arguments with. It's like they'll make these videos where they're on a three, I mean, a six lane road with 45 mile an hour traffic and they're taking the lane and they're just saying, this is all you got to do. You got to just take the lane in 45 mile an hour traffic. And, you know, it's a gamble. I mean, 
it happened to me. Also, who's gonna who's gonna happen. do it? Who's, yeah, who's, yeah, who's three gonna, people are going to do that? Three people are going to do it, and I'm not going to have my kid do it. I mean, I grew up a free-range kid. I'm probably one of the last generation, right, Gen X. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up on a on a six-lane boulevard in Hollywood, and we were riding in traffic. And I, you know, in, with our skateboards, you know, and stuff, <laughs> downhilling and so forth, which I would, I would freak out if I – knew that my kids were doing that. I'm glad that my parents never knew that I was doing that. But it's just like, it seems like we're at a point where that's not reversible. Good question. Um, I think a lot of people want it to be, and bicyclists aren't the only ones. Um, You may have an odd alliance with... uh, older people, um, because a lot of us are, are losing our driver's licenses as we grow older. And um, there's an opportunity, which I think is going to get th- completely butchered, to change the way we look at road use. Um, you, know, you know, there are Florida communities that have golf carts, or what are they called, neighborhood electric vehicles. <laughs> But every week on the cover of, of Popular Mechanics, there's a new variation on an electric bike. You never know how many wheels it's going to have. And a lot of these are wonderful inventions. And they are, they're ahead of the infrastructure by years. And they're ahead of the lawmakers by decades. And, a, and you can't have a separate lane for each of these different kinds of conveyances. But if you have a road where the rules of the road are understood, societally approved of, and enforced, then you can have all these different conveyances mix. Bikes will be part of it. Electric assist bikes, which some people love and some people hate, will be part of it. Um, electric things, so people who can't drive a car, as we now think of a car, can be safe driving a thing that kind of looks like a golf cart. Um, there is an opportunity there for all these things to coexist, but you got to get away from some things and you've identified, you know, speed is a, is a huge factor. Um, and roads look fast, you know, they look like airport runways. Yeah. And, uh, that's a, a multi-trillion dollar mistake all over the country. Um, the built infrastructure stinks all over the country. You know, I'm, I mentioned broccoli subdivisions earlier. Uh, unfortunately, we're stuck with those for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to get torn down that quickly. Right. Um, well, and places like the town I grew up in, in a rural town in Massachusetts, um, you know, they're kind of lucky. Um, but also, I think that town's also an example of, uh, you know, th- that's not where all the vibrant economic activity is happening. Um, it tends very much to go to the cities, and the cities have all the traffic, all the congestion, all the fast cars. Yeah, and people are driving. It's not, there's some kind of, like, my pops was a Depression era guy. He was, 
we call it frugal with everything yeah. he did. And he timed the lights. I mean, he does what people call <laughs> hypermiling now. And it used to drive me bananas when I was a kid. I was like, why are you driving so slow, Dad? Come on. But he would time the lights so that he didn't have to stop. And You do it now. I do it now. <laughs> and I wish my dad was still alive. I'd be like, Dad, you were so right. And, like, and I enjoy driving like that. And I enjoy, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just a sick fuck. But I enjoy driving that way and people behind me losing their minds and speeding around me up to the red light. And then you just pass them on the green. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something culturally where we have to rush to the red light, stop. Uh, what happened? You know, like, I guess it's these cars that are so powerful, but the grid can't keep up. The grid doesn't allow for people to, to speed all the way through it in an urban setting. And so now we're just rushing up to a red light and John, stopping, you, and it makes it dangerous for do you, pedestrians do you, and bike riders. Do you, John, do you sort of – is this a discussion or trying to be a discussion about, you know, whether we can put any focus at all on changing the conditions of the roads versus changing the way we drive our bikes? I mean, can we what – kind of, what kind of efforts can we make in your view to – try to change the conditions uh, that we face? Well, that's a pretty broad question. Um, and um, Just a 10-minute outline. Well, <laughs> 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 um, I mean, I'm, I'm, all I, the best I can do is ramble because um, <laughs> A, I wasn't... Are we just, basically, are being, we just screwed? You know, Every state's on a different operating system. You guys are in California, and I'm baffled enough by PennDOT. Uh, uh, I don't, could, and could, I know even less about Caltrans. So, can you say that one um, more time? The phone, the did you the, say Panda, Pen, PennDOT. Oh, PennDOT, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Department, Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. We've, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, I will tell you where we live, um, the planning commission, um, my, my county planning commission, they love all the new Irby stuff. Um, they want to do traffic calming. They have a big program to have a vision for something that's going to take half a century to build where we convert all our traffic sewers that go by shopping malls into, you know, these bucolic um, slow driving things um, with prioritization for bicyclists and pedestrians. Um, and it's, it, they're thinking big and it's really cool. I think this, probably the specifics will look completely different by the time they're done, but they're thinking big. And um, how you make sure you aren't trapping bicyclists in turning movements is a, is a part of this wanting to think big so that your traffic sewers are once again um, many years from now could, could be once again returned to, um, you know, calm places. I love that you um, call them traffic sewers. We have a caller. We're going to throw them on and see what happens. Oh, cool. Caller, you're on the air. Who are you? Hey, John. It's Mark. How are you? 
Mark. Hey, Mark. I never talked to you before. <laughs> one of one of your friends. Tell us more. Yeah, I recognize uh, Mark's voice. It's not hard. Okay, Mark, introduce yourself and tell us what's what what you got going on. Um, I just want to say hi to John. Um, my name is Mark Caruso. Um, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm Florence Meeting, actually. I don't know if I'm going to see John tomorrow at the Christmas party at Lehigh Valley. Um, Coalition for Appropriate Transportation. Are you going, John? I think so. I got something else earlier in the day. We'll see. So Mark Caruso, I've seen that name around the, uh, the, the groups on Facebook. Um, You probably have, John. I've seen your name, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, um, well, one thing to do is you're talking about changing behavior at all, um, to racing the red lights and all. Um, they had this great thing. I don't know if they still had it. They advertised it a while back in Philly. It was like a speed sensor on the road, basically. And what it did was if the light was green, it was great. But if you started speeding to try and get to the light, it would detect you were speeding. It would automatically go to red. I've heard of this. So it would turn you over for speeding. Hey, Mark, you bailed me out because I didn't have a good answer to Don's question. <laughs> provided. I, I'm actually, I think they talked about that here in Los Angeles, didn't they? I, I heard the LADOT talk about that. Yeah, and I think there are like little devices like that. Like I, in Canada, there was something where it, there were painted lines on the side of the road, not for bike lanes, but it made, but it was like a visual effect to make it look like it was getting narrower. And as I was driving, I was like freaking out, like, am I going to run into something? And it just was like a, whatever it was the perspective, it got me and it got me to slow down without, you know, any, anything really in the ground. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like in uh, the UK, they sort of do these squiggly lines as you approach the intersection um, that make you feel like you need to slow down and be cautious. I sure would be a billionaire. Part of the roads. We have too many straight roads with great sight lines. Yeah. People drive too uh, fast, and if the roads aren't curving, they would slow down too. Right. Mark, 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 I got a question for you. But first, I want to comment about this lane thing where you're using painted lane lines to make the road narrower. Um, you, there are lively discussions about how effective that is. Um, no, I'm not saying paint it. I'm not saying paint it. I'm saying actually curve the road, cut it differently so it's not straight. Uh-huh. Well, so you have and that, turns. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, some of the other people are talking about, uh, about you know, painting a line painting a line so that your the driver's lane is narrower. And, again, you're going to have lively discussions about how effective that is. Right. Um, isn't, there, isn't there studies that the narrower the lane, it – it causes drivers to drive slow. Well, it was more of a visual effect. It wasn't exactly about doing that, but the but, way but there's it had studies it, about this that narrow lanes make you drive. Uh, I don't read studies anymore. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna get a big giant cane and yeah. pull you out of the studio. Okay. <laughs> All right, I want to ask Mark a question because Mark lives in an apartment building on a big traffic sewer called Germantown Pike. And, Mark, what would you do to make Germantown Pike a nicer place to ride your bike or walk or cross the street? Um, I really don't know what I would do with it. I mean, it's, it's a big traffic store, like you said. I mean, it's, it's great when I'm driving my car, but when I'm riding my bike, it's a little scary and all. Um, there are back roads and all, but um, maybe make it one lane in each direction, but that might um, cause a big traffic congestion because there's a lot of traffic from the turnpike getting off there. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, 
I mean, the one thing that's promising that I hear from you guys and that I also agree with is these roads encourage speeding and we need to do something about it to at least tame the car traffic. And then, you know, we have our differences when it comes to bike infrastructure, but at least if we tame the car traffic, it's a little easier to take the lane and, and ride on these roads, right? Can we at least agree right. on that? Yeah. Oh, ab- yeah. absolutely. And, um, you know, um, synchronized traffic lights where you can have them, that's good. Yeah, that trick, that trick Mark mentioned where you, get, where you get penalized for trying to speed, that's kind of cute. <laughs> um, there are, I, you know, to enact something like that, you're probably going to need to change state laws. So it sounds great in this conversation. Be prepared for an incredible amount of work to actually make it real. Yeah, it sounds like a political unreality there. Um, yeah, I don't know if they still do it, but I thought it was on Kelly Drive or somewhere. I think they did it at one point. I don't know if they still did it or if they got rid of it. It was a while mm-hmm. back I read about it. And... Um, so I mean, there are things that need to be done, and I think um, bicyclists should should always look to themselves, look to others to do the heavy lifting whenever possible. Um, the other ninety five percent of the population uh, sometimes sees us as self entitled jerks, and. That's not a position of strength when you're trying to achieve something politically. And, um, however, who are our natural allies? Mothers against drunk driving. Um, people who want, people who want kids to get to school safely. There's a Facebook group I belong to called Red Mean Stop. And it's all about getting people to stop for the school bus. Is that so hard? Um, it's a big issue laws have to be changed to make enforcement better Um, and groups like that are natural allies and nobody wants to get hurt the soccer mom in her SUV can be our natural ally right and also traffic you might not like her SUV but instead of but just Pretend you don't pretend you don't care that she's driving this ridiculously huge SUV and just say, you want to be safe. We want to be safe. It's it's and, uh, uh, it's definitely a problem here. Areas of agreement. When we have school drop off here, you see parents turn into complete animals, even though they're driving amongst other people's children. And and we I've, I actually work with a guy named uh, Jim Shanman in Culver City who. Uh, works on safe routes to school uh, education and and so forth and I work on some of the pamphlets and it's just like uh, we have to make pamphlets to remind people to drive uh, as though their kids are right outside their car you know like it's it's uh, horrifying what the car somehow causes you know moms and parents to do even in the presence of other school kids. Speaking of school kids, we have young Ellie with us. That's Zach's daughter. And uh, I'm going to tap her in here. She's Hi, Ellie. Are you there? Can, can we hear you? Yes. She's here in the studio with us. We got her mic'd up. And she looks pretty excited about this. 
Now you go to school and your school is only, what, two blocks away from your house? Yeah. That's amazing. Have you ever ridden your bike to school? No, not really much. No? Do you look forward to doing that? Do you see your dad riding a bike and you want to do that? Or is it... Mostly the time when I go with my dad, he also wants me to try riding a bike. Yeah, and you're just like, I'd rather drive a car. It's uh, kind of boring. It's kind of boring? Okay. I mean, you know, here we have somebody that's seven years old. Now, for example, I'm going to bring up the Netherlands again. I love to bring up the Netherlands. When I was in the (laughs) Netherlands, I rode hundreds of kilometers in the Netherlands, and I would often see little groups of children about Ellie's age riding their bicycles completely safely on these cycle tracks, which are designed, in my opinion, very well. I know that you guys may disagree with that, but that, to me, is a goal that we should all have, and, and uh, you know, I know that's where our big disagreements are, but... Uh, <laughs> I just can't help but remember seeing children on bikes riding their bikes with no helmets either. They weren't. They didn't. Even, I don't even think they had helmets, and it seemed completely safe to me. Yeah. Hey, Don. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick, um, I just want to say, um, for um, children riding their bikes and all, like Ellie did, you know, um, I mean, it all depends on their um, maturity level and all. But um, it might help if, like, if it's a group of children, let's say, and there's an adult there to lead them, um, like a bike trainer. I remember. Years back, reading from Kelly Taffrey, one of the co-founders of Cycling Savvy, that she actually talked about leading a bike train to schools in Florida or something, like, yeah. with kids. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you might need some adults there and all to kind of supervise and guide them. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have a bike train, and then not just one kid riding alone on the street to, to the school. I mean, because you have no idea what the streets are like in California. Yeah. Or anything like where I live, I mean... I wouldn't put a seven-year-old up by themselves unless they knew what they were doing and all. But right. in a group, they might be okay. So I mean, I don't like to think about group thinking all because there's a problem with that too. But in all, but for young kids and all, riding in groups can help. So no sure. cycle track is that? What? And we were what? we were going to do a group ride with uh, eight-year-olds on a forty-five-mile-per-hour uh, traffic sewer <laughs> road. Mile per hour road, maybe, maybe. I wouldn't. I would make sure they know how to handle their bike first before I put them on a forty-five mile per hour. Maybe a sand boot wow. or something. Okay. Right. I mean, you might if they know how to handle themselves. But you're gonna put yeah, uh, Ellie on the forty-five mile per hour uh, Colfax? Uh, no, nope. we never go on. No. no, Riverside by our house. It's Riverside is scary. It is scary, right, yeah. Ellie? Oh. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but mostly not. Oh, yeah? Oh. <laughs> okay. See, can, kids are very brave. We can have a whole episode on this. You, yeah. you guys are raising um, a, a point that we make at the Coalition for Appropriate Transportation in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is, so people ask, well, what about the kids? And we say, have a, an appropriate radius for the kids with appropriate streets. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I, when I, when I was young, um, I lived on one side of, rest of a street called West Street, and um, there were kids who lived on the other side who weren't allowed to cross West Street. That's, that's, that's what you did then. You know, your, your parents told you you can go here, but you can't go there. You know what? My parents did that, and when I got to about age 12, I became like a little rebellious 
turd and i that went really good. far on my bike and my skateboard and uh, uh i mean i rode in the street i rode on ventura um on my 10 speed but uh hmm. well i mean like going back to like bridging the gap on everything here i think the hardest part is getting culturally because I think a lot of everyone who's probably listening is, you know, probably really agrees with what we're saying. But like to somebody that drives 300 miles a week that is living in this infrastructure to get them to the point of changing their life. Like, I don't think they're listening in tonight, um, but a lot of people own own bikes. And the whole thing is like we can't get like society to do as much as I wish, like a wholesale change of people to get rid of their cars. Um, but like how you get these little touches of getting people to build momentum and, and confidence. And like at our school, uh, we had bike to school day and about like Ellie, like a, about a quarter of the school bike to bike to school. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of like a Fridays and like, my mom, she says, she <laughs> pretends that daddy is a kid. <laughs> okay. That's not uh, too far off from what he actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little. <laughs> we, a we know topic. your daddy. We know your daddy. He is like a big kid. Um, you know what, guys? I enjoy talking to you. Um, you know, we've we've definitely had our our uh, discussions on Facebook and I'm sure they'll continue and it's good to talk to you guys in person and uh, have this discussion. I think there is a lot of agreement on taming the cars and, been great. and also that we need when, when we do get bike infrastructure, there is a point where it needs to be good infrastructure. It can't be this sickly coughing bike infrastructure that we get in Los Angeles <laughs> as Zach adds our little coughing uh, uh, special effects. I'm working here. this cough drop on hard. Yeah. yeah. But yeah we, he really is. But um, we appreciate the discussion. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up and uh, get off the air here, but um, I hope we can uh, have you back on John and even Mark and yeah. do some more talks uh, in the future. Thanks, John. Yeah, and I just and Mark. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you were gonna say something? Who was that, Mark? Yeah, I was. I just wanted to say, um, yeah, um, tell your listeners check out cyclingsavvy.org or even easier, abea dot bike. Abe dot bike. A B E A dot bike. A B E A. Okay. Now, Mark, thank you because. I was supposed to say that 20 times in the last hour. <laughs> Cyclingsavvy.org. Cyclingsavvy.org. And that's two A's? S-A-A-V-E-V-Y? No, two V's. Two V's? C-Y-C-L-I-N-G-S-A-V-V-Y. Dot org. Okay. Do you remember that, Ellie? No. Not really. Scroll down the page. We could put it in there. There's the two things to look at are one what bicyclists need to know about trucks. Um, and two, bicycling and traffic is a dance you must lead, which is just a beautiful synopsis of how your behavior makes you safer and lower stress on the road. Your behavior right. and your awareness. 
All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll catch you guys later. We'll catch you online. Thanks. You betcha. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Cyclingsavvy.org. I'm I'm with the League of American Bicyclists, or I was. I don't know if my membership's uh, up to date, but I was a league certified instructor instructor and teaching for the city of Burbank and Metro and LACBC for a while. And uh, it's very important if you're a cyclist to get a proper education on how to, uh, you know, how to navigate traffic just because we don't have safe roads, whether there's bike lanes or not, it's just not safe. Um, so you have to, like they said, you have to lead the dance. You have to be an aggressive cyclist. You have to make eye contact. You have to, you know, take the lane and uh, hope that somebody doesn't run you down. Because um, even if you do, in my case, uh, you know, in a lot of people's uh, experience, it's still, you know, the culture isn't there yet. And they want to punish you for being a, I don't know, what do they think you are, a communist on a bicycle or something? I think that comes down to like classism, issues of classism, issues of ideology when it comes to car culture in this country and especially in Los Angeles where it's a status symbol, the type of car you drive and how fast your car is and so forth. But uh, I felt like that was a pretty good discussion, you know, gets, gets heated online and, you know, sometimes I lose my mind and I blow my top and I'm a jerk to some of the vehicular cyclists out there. But yeah, I, I think, think Zach came for that. Yeah, yeah he wanted to fire. That's why he's here. Give me a call. I'll calm you down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get shut off because I'm coughing too much. I don't know why your thing is off. I think you have the cough button on. There you go, buddy. There we go. Okay. I like that little cough, uh, sickly oh, I'm um, cough. cough to signify our bike lanes. All right, Ellie, you're the future. Hey. She's so cute. She looks more okay. like her mom, I uh. think. You're what? just trying to start more controversy, aren't you? <laughs> you guys, is that an argument? Oh, mm-hmm. man. Uh. We've had our long discussions, me, Zach, and... Uh, I'm sorry, what was your wife's name one more time? Uh, Mrs. Sequel Valley. Mrs. Sequel Valley. She'll go by Mrs. Sequel Valley. We'll let... I think she'd prefer to be called that right now. Daddy's just a big kid, isn't he? Yeah, like a teenager. Does he fart a lot? Does he fart a lot at home? Uh, not really. Yes, oh my God! Look at the time. <laughs> we're we're way over. Yeah, this is it. We're okay. way over. I mean, I'm sorry. All right, so all right, I, folks. We're uh, getting off the air. We're um, not embarrassing Zach. <laughs> we got to find our exit theme, which we I don't also know if have we to can cover. play the exit. Do we got to cover um, Ellie's mind. ears when we play this song? Oh no! Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got profanity. Really? Yeah. yeah. But anyways, can you take her? Take care, um, this has been Bike Talk, and uh, we will see you all next time. Bye. 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 The transportation shows I care Every turn of the pedal cleans the air Green in the green, I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint up your ass I'm on a motherfucking bike I'm on a motherfucking
fucking bike. listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 